Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to another edition, a special edition of Spin the Rally Pod. I'm Lisa O'Sullivan. As the season resumes, WRC is back on the road. Rally Estonia, an absolute triumph as far as Oit Tanak is concerned. Who didn't expect him to win? Well, we did send the team out there. Please check out the website, dirtfish.com. You can see David Evans standing in a strange position and you can read about all the excitement of actually getting back on the road with the rallying. But we thought we'd bring you a little bit of extra bonus content because obviously the Dirtfish budget is huge and massive, but also sometimes we just need to send our reporters the easiest way around the world. So after the rally, we popped Colin on a boat and you know what he's like. He can't stop talking to people if they are there to talk to. So once he was on the boat, he had a little look around to see who he could find for a chat. So settle back and enjoy Colin taking a nautical trip away from Estonia. Well, good morning, everyone. It's the morning after rally Estonia. And uh, well, it's an early morning boat trip we're taking from Tallinn across to Helsinki. And who should I bump into in the lounge? Uh, well, none other than the sporting director from the Toyota team. It's Kai Lindstrom. Kai, it's an early morning start, uh, heading back towards Helsinki and heading back, I guess, to a very, very busy week. But we'll kick off by talking, obviously, about Estonia. What are your thoughts generally on the rally? How did you feel things went as the first rally back after COVID? Well, first of all, it was great to restart the season in, uh, in, in Estonia. And the organisation competitive side of the rally was just fantastic it was very very well organized and i was very pleased to see that because i'm i'm sure that the organizer has their hands full of all these restrictions due to covid19 virus and it didn't make the job easy but still they did very good rally i I was surprised by the level of really execution from the organizers it you normally when you're coming into the championship for the first time you have you have templates that you work to really rally estonia was creating the template weren't they in this new environment and it, it was just faultless it was absolutely faultless from their point of view and when you think of the time they had to organize it it normally takes a year 18 months to put on a round of the world rally championship um they went to massive efforts yeah uh, okay, Urmo, Urmo Ava and his team, they've done the rally a few times already and Urmo being the ex-driver and, and uh, you know, having good people like Silver with him working. Uh, I think he he's seen the level, what, what it should be when you do World Championship rounds. He's seen it as a driver, so he knows that these things need to work all the time and 
and okay, it's still impressive what they did, but uh, it really was. Wasn't yeah, it? he 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 knows the level. I mean, it's easier when you when you've been there and done it, so yeah, you know that we have we have to go and and do it like that. Yeah, of course. And uh, you know, when we look at the sporting side of things, uh, it gave us great entertainment, didn't it? The rally. You know, we'll come on to talking about the Toyotas. It could have been a better weekend for you. But in terms of the overall spectacle, you know, we saw some wonderful competition and we saw some great images. We saw some really challenging conditions. It's exactly what we need. You know, it's not just another rally. It's very much got its own character. Yeah, yeah, it it is it is for sure the special one. I mean, high speed like Finland, but then again, the roads are completely different from what we have in Finland, so it was nice. This surprised a lot of people, and you know what, it even surprised Oit Tanak, the way that the road developed as the rally, you know, particularly for the second pass. Um, you know, it looked on the face of it like Finland, but it didn't really... <laughs> once the cars got in there, and once we got to the second pass, once we got a few cars through, it was nothing like Finland. Yeah, and that, that obviously is the problem for, for anyone to predict when when you have the new rally you don't you don't know how the surface will handle it and how how it will be the second time around and yeah i think n- none of the teams expected that it will get so soft and rotted for the second pass well that's a very opportune moment then to talk about your team and your performance this weekend because tommy's come out to say look we did get it wrong in terms of testing we perhaps didn't anticipate the way that the road would evolve during the rally. How do these things happen? How, is it, is it, how, how can, you know, when you think of the amount of testing you do, the opportunities you have for testing, it does often surprise me that drivers will go and have, not talking about your team in particular, but just in general, they'll have fabulous tests that are at one with the car, the car's brilliant, you get to the first stage and it all goes out the window and they perform, you know. How, how do these things happen? Is it because it's not just an absolute exact science rallying or how do they happen? Well, one, one topic, like I said, no one expected it to turn out like that for the second pass of the rally. So uh, maybe testing on the rougher roads uh, didn't, didn't feel like the right decision at that point. And then obviously we can't we can't just say that we we need to pick that road. So it's when we work with the test organizers, they have certain roads that they can offer us, and then then we have to we have to live with those roads what we get. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's talk about the rally. We saw on particularly the first day, Kai, something rather strange happening, and it seemed to be particular to the Toyota. We saw the delamination issues for. In particular for Cali, my goodness me, and we'll come on to talk about him shortly because he was he was absolutely outstanding. But let's talk about these delamination issues uh, for Cali, and then we saw it for Elvin, and we also uh, saw that Seb had a problem as well with that. Have you got to the bottom of that? Was it a coincidence, or was there something happening there? Maybe a combination of geometry and speed, and you know, what was the reason for that? Uh, at the moment. I don't know the the bottom reason. So for sure, Michelin is doing now some uh, investigations, and and during this week they will get back to us. So we know that was there something on on the tires, or that could have caused it. And then, obviously, we need to investigate the the real reason for it. In particular, from Cali's point of view, obviously he then picked up a time penalty for a mistake from the co-driver. These <coughs> things happen, as you as you well know, and that we all accept. Um, but you know, you take out the penalty, you take out the puncture, and Rob and Perra 
could have had his first victory here. Yeah, he that could is have true. had his first victory. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? And if he had taken the victory, I don't think too many people would have been surprised, which is astonishing considering his inexperience in his age. Yeah, uh, two weeks ago, uh, the national rally in Estonia, I think he was just once again surprising everybody because he was putting a big fight against uh, Oit on that event already, so we knew that uh, he has a chance to do it here. Then again, these punctures and, and mistakes, that's, that's part of the game and they happen, so... Uh, if if they need to happen, okay, he had a puncture, and luckily then they made this mistake. So they are both learning. Jonne is learning. Having the one minute time penalty without the puncture would have been mm. even worse. So, but that that's something like you know, drivers make mistakes. They are famous co-drivers won't be famous before they make the mistake. So yeah, that's what happened now to Jon, and uh, it's gone, and now we go forward. Can I ask you a really, really naughty question? I, I shouldn't, but I'm well, going you, to ask you. are going to ask me anyway. I am so. going to ask you anyway. Even if you said if you said no, I wouldn't ask you. But if you think back to your career, and you had a fabulous career, you had a fabulous career as a co-driver, and you still, I'd have to say, look fit enough and healthy enough to just jump into that co-driver's seat if you need to. It's quite incredible. You are the only man in the service park who looks younger year by year. Um, what was your biggest mistake? What was your, can you remember one, and that taught you the biggest lesson? What was, because I'm sure Yoni has learned he will never do that ever again in his career. See, this this is the sign of a great course. I can, I can see his brain working. He's trying, you're trying to think, you know. The fact that there's nothing comes to mind. Well, I was fortunate not to make a mistake on the on the time controls and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's just a uh, missed... Missed base notes call or something. Did, I think. Did I you think ever read a left rather than a right? We no, saw that with no, Daniel no. Elena in Japan a few, well, a few yeah, years no, ago. Yeah, no, that that I haven't done. So wow, uh, it's incredible, incredible. But as you say, you learn, don't you? And code yeah. co drivers learn. Let's go back to Cali. You, know, his rate of learning is for me the most impressive thing. He's learning so rapidly. But do we think that that was his? best opportunity for a win this year or do you think he's capable of winning a rally before the end of the year we've only now got maybe three left well I don't see why not I mean knowing his his talent and uh, he's he's improving all the time this was third rally with WRC car on gravel in Eston Rally Estonia so we can expect him to do well on the others as well and, and then going now to Turkey uh, the road position is quite important the first day and he's few cars behind, so why not? Yeah, why not? It's a little scary to think how far he can go. When, when, you, when you think of how quickly he's progressing and he's, you know, in terms of speed, in terms of understanding, all of those things, he's nowhere near, you know, reaching the, the optimum and the maximum yet and, and he's capable already of winning. It's yeah. scary how far he can potentially Yeah, he, like I said, the, the talent is there and, and he's like way, way above his experienced level on everything else. Like Have you ever seen anything? Uh, is there any driver that we can say, I, I can't recall a teenager no, that has actually not, not made that this I, kind of impact? I've seen, 
It's phenomenal, isn't it? It's yeah. quite phenomenal. Continuing on with Cali then, um, you know, we saw an unbelievable performance from him in the power stage. Now, it, it didn't matter in terms of your potentially Ogier's championship uh, that Robin Perra finished ahead because he obviously finished ahead of, of, of Tanak as well. Um, but can you see a point in this remaining three rallies this season where you are going to have to say to him, look, you know, the title here is the most important thing and Ogier winning the title is the most important thing. You're maybe going to have to introduce team orders and, and Cali play that team support role. Is, is that a situation? that you, I know Tommy's really against that, but there are big, big prizes at stake well, here and big consequences at stake here. Team yeah, yeah, orders well, potentially coming well, into it? For sure, we all all know that that question might come or that that is something we need to think about in some part of the season. But then again, you know, there's also another important title for us, which is the manufacturer's title. So uh, we always have to have two, at least two cars with a good result. So it, it makes the game a little bit difficult. So You're juggling all exactly. these balls, aren't you? And yeah, it's so really difficult to, 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 you know, which one do you catch, which one do you let drop a little bit? Yeah, and, and after all, we have three factory drivers. So uh, to start playing the game from the first rally of the season, I don't know if the, the man winning the title really feels that... Mm. The same way than if he wins it by fighting on the stages. That's what I mean. And to be absolutely fair to Seb, he's not asking for it, is he? Se no, Seb, Seb no. has accepted that this year, yeah. uh, you know, it's 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 every man for himself. You know, Elvin Evans is still very much. Yeah, let's yeah, face yeah. it, yeah. anything can happen, particularly in Turkey. We've seen it before. Yeah. Um, you know, it's such a rough <laughs> rally. Anything can happen, and it could be that Elvin Evans comes out of that rally with a fifteen-point lead in the championship. Yeah, now season being shorter with with less rallies so every every rally is very important so okay if you have 13 rounds you can maybe do badly on on one or two and still still have a good result at the end of the year but now with with just few events there is no room to to zero points or or, or mistakes and you in terms of strategy and managing strategy as a driver you have the best man in the field there. You know, Ogier knows he's been there and he's done it. He did it in his two years at M Sport, where you know, arguably he didn't have the best car. You know, the M Sport car was very fast, it was very capable, but he was fighting the might of the Toyota team, the might of the Hyundai team, and the Citroen team, obviously, as well. But Ogier managed it. He knew he couldn't win every stage, couldn't win every rally. He managed it brilliantly. He's very capable of doing that over the next three rallies. And I think it started here. I genuinely think it started here. I don't think he started with the aim to win this rally. Yeah, I mean, he he has a few titles already, so he knows what it takes to get the title. So uh, you, you can't win every rally, that's for sure. And then you, you just have to make the plan how to, to go through. Talking about making plans, how is your planning for Turkey? You had obviously a three-day test in Greece. Yes. Uh, looked interesting. I tell you what, I missed those stages. I missed those stages. I remember seeing the, one of the first rallies I ever went to was, I, was with you guys, with, yeah. with Tommy and yourself and Peter and Phil back in the 555 Subaru days. You know, just watching those images coming back out of those stages with these modern world rally cars, it was like, whoa, it was fantastic. Tell me how it went. Tell me how the preparation's going. Yeah, the test went well, and all all is ready for for Turkey. 
Right. And any concerns about the Hyundai in terms of how it's developed? <laughs> you know, I, I don't suppose you can really worry about what the opposition are doing. Um, but it does seem as if uh, Tanak has, has gone there and shaken things up a little bit, added a little bit of his knowledge, his ability. And the car has developed. There's, there's no question about that. Yeah, for sure. They've they've gone forward like, uh, like okay, Oit, Oit, we knew that that's his home rally and he's going to be quick in Estonia. But then uh, Breen, second, uh, I was, well, not surprised, but, uh, but you know, uh, it, it was quite quite impressive for him. I think him, you can say he was surprised because I was certainly surprised. I, I, I didn't genuinely think that on that speed rally where you need to be as you know better than most, you're on those hyper rallies. Your confidence needs to be absolutely sky high. Your uh, your trust in the car needs to be a hundred percent. And to to be a part time driver and to jump mm. in in that sort of rally, I was surprised that he managed to show that pace early on and then maintain it through the rally without any mistakes. It was it was a great drive from Breen. And, uh, you know, it's 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 again. It's you know, this is the 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 game that Adam was playing, bringing in these part time drivers. Is it is it? something you agree with is it something that you would consider perhaps well the, we we have three three drivers signed and we we go with those three so we don't consider that kind of but uh, yeah he he has a chance to do it and he plays the game so it, it's okay did you game when when you know when i first came at the sport when you were competing but back in the uh, the early 2000s when i first came in it was commonplace, wasn't it? You know, it was commonplace to have specialist drivers to, to bring in part-time drivers. Yeah, especially on tarmac events. Yeah, yeah particularly yeah. in tarmac and sometimes on snow events. You know, yeah. we saw we yeah. saw Sweden, Sweden. Yeah. Finns coming in to world championship teams to compete. You know, that, that thinking disappeared for a long time and we saw settled teams for a long time. Um, what do you think? Do you, do, you think do you think it's got its merits? You know, would, is it... Is it I was surprised to see it coming back. You know, the last time I remember was, I think, Skoda many, many years ago, 2005, yeah. 2006. Skoda had a year where they rotated drivers. Yanni Passanen was one of them. And yeah. I can't remember who the others were, to be totally honest with you. Um, but that, that looked as if those days were well behind us. But Dan was not, not afraid to try different things out, is he? No, no. And uh, like you said, uh, you can have specialists, but also there's risks that when you're a part-time driver, like you said, you don't have the routine from the whole year and uh, yeah it seemed to work well in Estonia for them at least so you know we have three rounds left we have two championships to decide we've got the drivers championship which is still we open we have three co-drivers as well <sighs> how dare I how terribly rude of me how terribly quite right so I'm talking to one of the most successful co-drivers ever I forget about that we have three championships you're right co-drivers drivers manufacturers um you know, it is a sprint now to the finish, isn't it? And it's from a position where, you know, it looked as if we might struggle to get a season. All of a sudden, it's looking quite exciting. It's looking really interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and like I said, less rallies, uh, the important importance of each rally is, is bigger than normally. So we, we really have to be ready for every event. Just, just a question again. This, you know, we're, we're having to adapt and we're having to innovate because of COVID in every every section of our lives, not not just our professional lives, but our personal lives and everything. We're having to to look at things differently, and and quite often, you know, out of crisis comes innovation, and innovation gives us things that perhaps we didn't consider previously. Now we saw in Estonia a shortened format 
for the rally and, and I think in Turkey we're looking at a shortened format as well. Should we be considering this maybe for next season, for, for each round? Or, or do you think we could mix and match? How, yeah. how do you think that's working? Well, I don't see why not. Uh, because then again, uh, also one one big, big issue is the, is the cost. And uh, if we are planning cost reductions, uh, short format is good for that as well. You know, uh, the time we need team members to be in the rally staying in the hotels is shorter and also uh, states mileage being shorter that is for sure affecting to the costs yeah it's going to be interesting isn't it Karen, I have to say is it, it's always an absolute joy catching up with you and an unexpected joy this morning on the boat as well. And I do appreciate it's still only, would you believe it's still only 20 to 9 in the morning. Is it? Um, you know, and for you to uh, have a couple of coffees and talk to me this morning, it's been an absolute joy. Um, we'll obviously, if possible, we'll catch up with you in Turkey. It might not be possible with, with the new regulations. But uh, thank you very much, Guy Lindstrom, Sporting Director at the Toyota team, for your time this morning. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, one of the joys of sitting on the boat to, uh, well, the boat from Tallinn to Helsinki is you never know who you're going to bump into. We've already talked this morning to the lovely Kai Lindstrom and sitting opposite him was another man I recognise as Tom Fowler, who's the technical director at the Toyota team. Tom, always good to catch up with you. How are you feeling? Yeah, um, tired after a long weekend, mm. but uh, uh, we had many things to be happy about over the weekend. Mm. Um, obviously, some things to be disappointed about as well. So, uh, a mixed weekend, but uh, I think the overriding feeling is that uh, we're back in action and uh, it was really great to be back in the service park and see these cars running how they're supposed to be running and the, and the drivers fighting it out in the stages. So from that point of view, uh, very happy. We're all rally fans, aren't we, really? I mean, we, we're very, very fortunate. We make our living out of rallying. But at heart, we're all rally fans, and it was great to see a top-class rally. And, and there were lots of question marks over the rally because of the circumstances. Uh, but it was great to see a top-class sporting event happening again, just uh, at the, in the basic form. Yeah, um, I think during the time we've all, we've all been at home, uh, I think uh, many of us have found ways to continue continue working as much as we can um, but it's not the same to be uh, in the in your back bedroom with a laptop um, so and you can it's easy to lose sight of, of why we do this uh, on a daily basis just going to the bedroom to do your to do your work and trying to stay focused and motivated on uh, when the cars aren't running and you're not getting any feedback can be difficult so uh, I think that we needed this to come back. Uh, we've been waiting a long time, and uh, certainly personally for me, the the moment when uh, we had all the engines running, um, warming up to uh, to leave the service park for the first time, and you, you hear that burble and uh, the buzz around the the engineers and the mechanics making sure everything's correct at the last minute, and uh, the those sort of butterflies come back in the stomach that uh, you know, have we done everything we we can do, and uh, is everything correct, and uh, that feeling is a long way from being at home in your in your bedroom with a laptop. So yeah. it was really excellent. 
It was, it really was, and, and you're quite right. You know, I stood at the uh, the start of actually it was stage two. I didn't go to stage one. The first stage on Saturday morning, and, and heard the cars off the start line. It was a magnificent sound to hear again. Tom, you know, nobody stood still over the six month uh, hiatus that we had. Uh, you know, we saw obviously quite a bit of development going on. Can you tell us? really what you guys were focused on in terms because you, you already have a magnificent car your car is practically bulletproof and is like a rocket but clearly there's always room for development was there any particular area that you focused on over that six month period yeah I, it's it's difficult to say one thing that we focused on because really what we did was um when when we're running these these championships normally it's it's like a rapid fire situation so we we go to a test we go to a rally and uh we have days or maximum a week in between everything that we do so uh, our engineers and mechanics and the whole management team is uh is always playing catch up to to be ready for the next event and one of the things that you don't have uh the time to do uh quite often is to really just sit down and look over everything from a distance and see where where are we strong? Where where are we not so strong? Right. Uh, and um, those those small nagging problems that that you you know uh, need to be fixed, but uh, are down the priority list of all other jobs that have to be done in order to be ready for the next time. Mm. So um, we spent some time in the beginning of lockdown to to really plan those jobs out and see what can we do and where do we need to focus. We don't know how long this is going to last and how can we use our engineering time. To uh, to really play catch up on all the things we've been wanting to look at for for weeks or years. So in that way, it was very uh, you know it was, it was a, a useful period. You know, in terms of the efficiencies of working, it allows you to take a look at all of that. Yeah, it, it's 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 pretty much un- unprecedented to be able to mm-hmm. um, uh, I think clear your engineering job list backlog. Um, I wouldn't say we cleared it, but uh, we got pretty close and. Um, yeah, we we use that time to to see what what we need to do better and 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 how we can we can improve for the future. I think the other thing that uh, we have to remember from your point of view is, as obviously the head of uh, you're, you're the head of design and engineering. You're the man that, that basically that's your car. Um, is that during this period we had the 2022 regulations just about confirmed in terms of who was going to supply the kit and you know we're still working on how exactly it's going to play into the drive train and all the rest um but that must have been one of your biggest projects during lockdown was was assessing these 2022 regulations and how it's all going to work practically with your car yeah um for sure that there's there's been um a big emphasis, certainly in my role, uh, on this topic. Uh, we've we've had very intensive uh, meeting schedule uh, with the FIA and the other teams to try to nail down exactly how we're going to do this, what the regulation is going to be, and uh, try try to really get that uh, accelerated while while we had the time. There are some um, massive challenges there, aren't there? From from what we're hearing, talking to M Sport, talking to Hyundai, it's not perhaps as straightforward as just bolting it in and and taking a. You're pressing a button through the towns and getting a little bit of hybrid ele- electric power. It's not as simple as that. It's a challenge, isn't it? It is. It's it's a really big technical challenge. Um, it's such a it's such a deviation from what we have at the moment. Um, I mean, adding the hybrid system itself is is one thing, but uh, there's also other changes in the regulation, which means that uh, there's very few elements of the the present cars or even previous cars that can be 
can be carried over. Wow. So um, we're having to to do a lot of research and and learning um, in new technolo- uh, new technologies and different applications. So it's a big challenge, and I think that was um, during the the last few few months trying to balance the future with the present has been uh, one of our biggest challenges. Talking about the present, obviously, I was talking to Kai earlier about rally uh, Turkey that's coming up. It's an unbelievably tough rally. We've seen that in the past. We saw it last year. Um, you know, I think you guys had one or two issues there. Everyone's had issues in Turkey, let's face it. What are you doing in particular to address the technical challenges of rally Turkey? It's the heat, it's the roughness, it's the, uh, the real challenge of the event. What are you doing to address those? Yeah, Turkey has been a, a difficult rally for many people, but I, I, I think uh, it's it's um, for Toyota. It, it's been uh, it's been challenging. Uh, I think if we talk about the environment and the heat and uh, all the these elements which make it difficult from a reliability point of view, um, we've been working heavily on those for other rallies anyway, and uh, we've. It's not a it's not a secret that we've had some challenges in in the area of cooling and and mm-hmm. so on. Uh, but on the other hand, for for rough rallies, um, we believe that we we built a very strong car from the beginning. Um, maybe maybe too strong at the deficit of some performance in some other rallies where you don't need to be that strong. So um, we believe now for for Turkey this year, our our main main element to concentrate on was trying to keep the performance uh, level up at the same time as having that reliability, which is always the challenge. So um, we, we've we been working a lot on on raising the performance level within the reliability scope. Right. And and that's really been what we've been, been working on. I am listening to what you're saying, Tom, but I'm racking my brain to work out where your car has been disadvantaged in performance. When you said you've you've obviously built in reliability at the expense of performance on certain rallies, I can't think of a rally where your where, where your performance has been notably down. Which ones are you talking about in particular? There, uh, I, I think if you if you look at the re- the results, yeah, you, you don't see it, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, Are you keeping that one to yourself? <laughs> we, we've got to do a little bit more analytical investigation. <laughs> I, I think um, when when you uh, when you're engineering a car and getting getting the uh, the internal information, you obviously we know what are the the key performance right. indicators that give us speed. And if you ask a driver, he always wants the car to be faster yeah. because um, the faster the base package is, the less risk the driver needs to take. Uh, and the the less chance th- there is of a of a mistake. So obviously, it's beneficial for the whole team that the car is not only faster than the others, but a step faster than the others, so that you can manage risk. And um, certainly, up until um, maybe the middle of last year, uh, the weight of our car was was a disadvantage in some rallies, even though the car was still winning the rally. Um, uh, it's uh, we know internally what the numbers are, and we know that we could have been faster ultimately if we if we had uh, been a bit lighter, for example. So right. there's right. there's there's other topics around this, but uh, it's actually quite scary because your car, your car's already ridiculously quick and reliable. So if you're telling us that what you're working on is to maintain that reliability and build a car that can go even faster, which you, which you've got to do now, right? Because we have seen this this big step forward from Hyundai. 
Um, but it's incredible. It's incredible. You can find more pace within these very, very prescribed regulations. You know, you, you, what areas can we look at to find that extra speed? Because the car is built to regulations. The regulations have only slightly changed since they were introduced. You know, when you talk about finding more pace, where does it come from? At, at the uh, the stage we're at now in, in development, um, the the areas where you can find um, extra speed is it's very small numbers mm. in each place, mm. and um, you you if you find something now which which is clearly a big step, um, then you probably didn't do something right in the first place. So um, Ooh. these things Ooh, is, is, is that is that a little comment on the Hyundai maybe because they've found some big pace. It's it's not a comment <laughs> on anybody, but uh, it, it's a general comment in in in, in engineering in engineering yeah. and, and motorsport yeah. development. Okay. When you come Fair out enough. with your package in in the first place, yeah. uh, in the in the first few months and maybe the first season. Yeah. Um, every now and again, you have a, a eureka moment and and you you find something and you realise that some system or some element wasn't working quite as it should and 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 you see a big step in the in the stopwatch yeah. um, as time goes on uh, you get to the point where individual developments are very difficult to see even in the stopwatch right. and you you have to um, find a combination of different um, performance gains that add up into one right. so that's where we're at, at the moment is right. that we need to find all the small pieces and put them together, which then gives you a step. I do like because you know you're a man that deals with science, you know, and, and, and design is very much a science, isn't it? Um, but you're also a little bit of an investigator. You know, it's it's about it's about taking the various elements and working out the story from the elements that are there. So it's not just about a science. It's not always one and one equals two. It's one and one with a little bit of two, maybe a touch of three in there. It's like a recipe, isn't it, to find that extra bit of performance maybe it's stability maybe it's maybe it is speed maybe it's reliability maybe it's just confidence for the driver but you've got to find all these elements and bring them together yeah that's that's really our job in the engineering department right. is to is is to analyze and find these these things and uh, try to find a way of of improving i think um in uh, in science uh, i think the one of the key principles when you do an experiment is to is to only change one thing at once so you understand what happened but uh, in rally that's incredibly difficult to do right. i think it's one of the beauties of it as a as a motorsport is that we can change one thing in the car and we can we can do a test back to back on the same road but we can't have them at the same time so right. um you in rally it's it's impossible to to change only one thing at one time because Every time you drive the road, it changes. Every time you you stop for five minutes, the temperature changes. Mm. Um, and to try to really narrow down what is causing yeah. which effect at what time is is very very difficult. Wow. And wow. you you have to you have to really get a get a sense of uh, analyzing and taking the analysis that you've done. But sometimes you have to look at the analysis and say actually maybe that's not right and you have to ha get a feeling for what 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 to believe and what not to believe because uh, mm. you can have outside influences which you put blinkers and say oh the car's definitely faster in in this configuration but you you don't or it can be 
maybe self-motivating to think you made the car faster, but in reality the road changed. So we really have to uh, look at ourselves deeply and and believe in what we're doing and not try to kid ourselves in many ways. That 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 comes with experience, I guess, doesn't it? More than anything, you know, to be able to make those calls, you'll have young engineers who come straight out of university who will understand the formulas and they'll understand the figures at the start, they'll understand the figures at the end, but they don't have the experience to interpret those figures. And that's exactly what you're saying. It's being able to look at it and say, yeah, you know, end of the day was quicker than start of the day, but look at all these other elements. It's fascinating. Tom, one last question for you. I could talk to you for a very long time, but I can see Helsinki coming into sight now. One last question. Um, Your job is a fascinating job, no question about that. Um, What is the most satisfying part of your job? Is it designing a car like the Yaris WRC, or is it what we've just talked about? Taking a mature car and working out how to make it better. Which is the best part of your job? Or neither. Is there another part of your job that's more satisfying than either of those two? I, I think um, the, the, the satisfaction is, is kind of equal between all of the different elements, but I think um, the most interesting or satisfying part of it is, is, is the variation and... Um, following the car uh, i mean if we think about what's happened in the last few years um a yaris wrc didn't exist and we went from drawing every single part and having it manufactured to uh sebastian ogier driving at it 200 kilometers per hour over a jump in estonia so the difference that can happen over a time and, and really what you've created and uh, seeing the results of what you've created is, is probably the most satisfying part. Tom, I've, I've known you for a few years. I've been around you for a few years. Um, you had uh, your, you, you served your apprenticeship at M-Sport. You then, is it fair to say you became slightly disillusioned with the sport and you, you went off, I think you went off to work at a nuclear power station or something, didn't you, for a while? Um, but you've now created a legacy in this sport you know you will forever be associated with this Yaris WRC that that in itself must be quite a nice feeling to know that whenever the story of rallying is talked about and the story of Toyota is talked about and the Yaris WRC is talked about people will be talking about you that that must be quite a satisfying feeling to have you know been through everything to come back and to have created that legacy I I think I think someday that will uh, in in retrospect be be something which is which is interesting but uh when you're inside of it it doesn't feel so much like that right. um we we need a huge amount of people um to to do what we do and uh there's there's uh uh all different re- skills are required um many of those I cannot do myself and um i I really enjoy uh, working with the variety of different people uh, that that we have that builds this into one thing, and I think uh, everyone is is part of this legacy because uh, if you ask me to change the turbocharger in 15 minutes, I, I won't be able to do it. So we, we need every skill and uh, working with these these people um, to do what we do, which to many people is unbelievable, uh, is is a pleasure every day. Tom, it's been a pleasure this morning talking to you, and I do appreciate both yourself and Kai's time at this unearthly hour, although for you boys I'm sure it's perfectly normal to be up and to be working at this time of the day. Uh, a joy to talk to you, uh, really insightful stuff as always. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Spin the Rally Pod from Dirtfish.com. As I say, there's so much more on the website about Rally Estonia and all things rallying. Check it out if you've got any questions you want to ask the team at Dirtfish Rally is the best way to get in touch. But uh, we'll be back soon. I'm not sure where everybody is. They seem to be scattered to the four winds, but we will catch up and maybe find out a little bit more about how the world turns when you're preparing for a rally. The logistics of getting stuff in transit. There's one man who knows an awful lot about that, but you'll have to tune into the next episode to find out who that is. As it is for now, bye-bye from me. Bye-bye.